Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Last year, you know, not only did we have an increase in our caseload uh, in 2019, but we also closed 59% more cases last year. So, you know, we are we are um, doing doing the job that the public is asking us to do. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. With us today is the Chief Administrator of the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, which investigates complaints of excessive force and other abuse by Chicago police officers, Sydney Roberts. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Fran. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk to you. This has been an extraordinarily painful and destructive week for Chicago in a spring and summer full of the same. What were your thoughts as you woke up on Monday morning, as we all did, to the nightmare of round two of the looting and mayhem and that so heavily damaged downtown Chicago, River North, Lincoln Park, parts of the West Side? You know, um, it was it. it, it, it you know, it's heartbreaking, you know, it's heartbreaking, Um, you know, what is, what is occurring, Um, you know, and, you know, kind of, you know, the, 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 the protest that started back with, with George Floyd, you know, um, you know, the communities um, nationally, um, you know, talking about, you know, police accountability. Um, and it's, it's just literally, it's brought it to the, the forefront. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 you know, we've got this pandemic going on. Um, and I think there's just a lot, there's a lot of stresses that are going on. And I think that this is a, a, a difficult time. Um, for the country, I think it's a difficult time for the city. Um, but the one thing that uh, that ha- you know that that COPA did when we woke up that morning is you know we we got into our emergency mode. You know we realized that we may receive some additional complaints, and so um, you know we we talked with our intake staff and we you know made sure that we had enough staff to take our complaints. Um, we, from the last incident involving George Floyd, you know, we created a, uh, a, a review process where we are reviewing complaints in, in real time, assessing the complaints 
that are the most egregious, making sure that those get assigned. And so, you know, we went into response mode. Um, and, um, you know, fortunately, we didn't receive the complaints in this incident as we did in, in the prior um, situation. But, you know, we, we were prepared. You know, we were prepared and we, we mobilized. Were your investigators on the scene of the shooting in Englewood that touched it all off? Absolutely. You know, one of our responsibilities um, and one of the um, investigative uh, structures in which we operate is to provide an on-scene response to all officer-involved shooting. And so uh, with this shooting, you know, we responded in our normal course you know, we send a, a deputy chief goes out, our major case specialists um, are out there. You know, we send people to the hospital. Um, we go to the scene. We participate in the evidence collection. We walk through the crime scene. You know, we begin interviewing um, witnesses and canvassing the area. So, you know, yes, we, we were there that day. So what did you find? You know, we're in the early stages of our investigation, um, and we are uh, speaking with witnesses. Um, we're assessing um, the evidence that we have available. You know, we're, we're, we're moving forward with our investigation. Police Superintendent David Brown has said that erroneous details about that shooting in Englewood lit the fire and triggered the looting. He says that a 20-year-old man whom police were attempting to arrest, took off, fired shots at police. They fired back, shooting and wounding him. He has been charged. And yet there's no body cam video, uh, video because these officers didn't have body cams. Here we are a couple of years into the consent decree, no body cams for everyone. You know, one of the things that um, has been very important to, to COPA as we you know, coming up on our third year, actually, you know, has been spending a lot of time building um, trust and confidence uh, in COPA amongst the, the community. And one of the ways that we have been doing that is being transparent with the community. And so uh, following this incident, we actually have released several uh, press statements to the public to make sure and to provide as much information as we can about that. And yes, um, we did release a, uh, a statement indicating that the, uh, uh, the incident, the involved officers did not have a uh, body-worn uh, camera at the time of this incident. Um, and, I, and I, I, I will say, you know, that the city is better served when police have and they activate body-worn camera when they're carrying out their, their duties. I mean, body-worn camera is about building trust, you know, accountability and transparency. And, and the public has a level of assurance that there's a, you know, an objective means to verify the accounts of what happened, you know. Um, but I want to be clear, you know, COPA is, COPA can, and COPA has conducted meaningful comprehensive investigations of use of force incidents, officer-involved shootings, in the absence of body-worn camera. And so we will bring to this investigation a meaningful investigation that will get at the facts of exactly what happened, how it happened, 
Um, and we will be able to reach a determination. I mean, we're going to use ballistic evidence. We're going to assess forensic evidence. We're going to do uh, witness interviews, you know, and we are going to continue to look for all other available evidence in this, in this particular case. What about the pod cameras, the fixed cameras on the street? What Absolutely. do they show? Absolutely. You know, there is pod, what do they uh, show? What do those there show? Is pod, there is pod camera. And, you know, as the chief administrator responsible for investigating um, this officer involved shooting, I have seen the pod uh, video that, you know, everyone is talking about. We mentioned in our press release that there was a pod video, and we indicated that it captured a piece of the incident. You know, friend, we, we are we are on this investigation, you know, and as you know, that we are going to release the available video that we do have. You know, since since COPA has been releasing video, we have released over 300 use of force incidents. Um, we are going to release that video, uh, our, uh, and we're going to release it at the earliest date possible, but no later than 60 days from the incident. What does the podcam show? Does it show that the police version is the right one? That they fired at him only after he fired at them? Sure. As we mentioned in our press statement, the pod video does not capture the shooting. What the pod video captures is the police officers engaging in a pursuit of an individual that is matching the description that was reported of a man possessing a gun at that location. And as I mentioned, we will release that pod video and any other relevant materials that are permissible under policy. And we will release that video within 30, uh, within 60 days, no later than 60 days of, of the incident. I will say this, and I want to always, always say this, you know, um, we have, talking about those inroads that we have made with the community, you know, to the residents, if you are listening to this, if you have information, if you have seen information, please contact our office. You know, we, we have a model here. Police accountability takes us all. And if you have valuable information that will assist or any information that you think will assist in this investigation, we encourage you to contact our office so that we can reach our decisions with all of the facts and information that we have available to us. The mayor blames the police contract negotiated by Rahm Emanuel uh, for the, sh the absence of some body cams. And Superintendent Brown says these officers were newly reassigned to the districts. There's a shortage of body cams. Is that an excuse so many years after the consent decree? Wasn't this the most basic of reforms? You know, again, you know, Fran, I, I, I'm just going to hone in on the fact that, you know, the city is better when our officers have body-worn cameras. These are opportunities to build trust, build transparency, and accountability. And I know that both the mayor and the superintendent, they are committed to building trust, accountability, and transparency. And they're going to do what they can do to make sure that the officers in the Chicago Police Department have body-worn camera. These are opportunities. What about the way police responded to the Englewood incident? 
why did it turn so tense so quickly? Could they have handled it better in some kind of way? You know, I think for, 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 for COPA, you know, our job is to make sure that we stay responsive to complaints that are, are made um, to our office, that we make sure that if officers are engaged in um, misconduct or are acting in violation of the policies, that we respond to that. And through our investigation, if we identify operational um, uh, concerns, you know, uh, we can make broader policy recommendations outside of the individual investigator. Right. Do you think you might in this case? You know, um, certainly that may be the case, you know, um, but we're still investigating, you know, and we need to allow that investigation um, to move forward. You received more than 900 complaints between May 26th and June 29th, 99 of them on June 4th alone, most in 13 years in one day. Civil rights attorneys have submitted a 26-page court filing cataloging, cataloging a host of alleged civil rights violations by police during that very tumultuous period. Um, COPA received, it, it was 591 complaints over a two-week period after the death of George Floyd. Um, let's talk about some of the specific complaints. Miracle Boyd, an activist with Good Kids Mad City, was seen on, the, on a video that was circulated on social media being punched in the face by a police officer during a confrontation at the Columbus statue in Grand Park, which has since been removed. Uh, she got a tooth knocked out. She wants him fired. What have you found there? Sure. You know, um, these are active investigations, um, Fran, and I, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I do appreciate the question, um, but these are active investigations, and uh, what I don't want to do is compromise the integrity of those investigations. What I will tell you is we have that investigation. Uh, right now, we have approximately 170 protest-related investigations between the George Floyd period right through to today. And um, we are investigating every single one of them. We have uh, formed a special team of uh, some of our best investigators that are working on, on these cases. And, you know, um, we are assessing them and uh, assessing them to, one, determine in a, if an officer should be relieved of his uh, police powers. We're assessing to see if there are uh, the, the need for criminal referrals to the Cook County State's Attorney's Office or to the uh, federal government. Um, and we're also, uh, you know, going through and making sure that we can not only identify officers, but that we can identify our complainants. We can identify our witnesses. And I will say that... One of the things that has helped COPA so much during the course of these investigations is the three years of work we have done developing relationships with the community because we have gotten calls saying, hey, I know that victim you're looking for, I know them, I can get them in touch with you. 
or, hey, um, this person wants to make a complaint, but, you know, they're a little uncertain. Would you mind talking to them, telling them what the process is like? You know, that's because we've built these, these relationships with the people throughout, you know, Chicago. Um, but yeah, you know, we are, we are on top of them. And, um, and I was glad that we were able to put a specialized team because that specialized team gets to a question that you mentioned earlier, because it enables us to identify if there are systemic and broader issues beyond the individual officer. So you're saying that 170 investigations were triggered by the 600 some odd complaints. That, that that was they were substantive enough to warrant a full-blown investigation. Yes, yes, those are the ones that we're investigating. You know, and these, you know, and as you mentioned, you know, kind of when you when you started, and and I'll just take the opportunity. You know, COPA's investigation, uh, COPA's jurisdiction is over. You know, largely some of the most egregious um, uh, police misconduct, excessive force. Um, Fourth Amendment violations, uh, improper search and seizure, um, domestic violence, sex misconduct, um, denial of counsel and, and, and coercion. And those are the complaints that we're investigating. You know, now we did take a host of other uh, complaints that are more operational and procedural violations, and those went to the uh, Bureau of Internal Affairs. Are you seeing a racial pattern to these investigations were blacks targeted more? Were Hispanics targeted more? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, we have not uh, taken that. Uh, we haven't looked at that. We haven't assessed that at this point. Why job. not, though? Why not? Right now, our, our efforts are primarily focused on doing the investigations and making sure that we can bring resolution to those investigations as quickly as, as possible. Um, but to your point, I mean, I think it is a, a, a valid question. Well, do you expect to recommend firings of police officers who, who behaved so badly that they should be removed from the force? Again, we have not reached um, the point where um, uh, we have made a recommendation that an officer be discharged. We have, however, recommended uh, to date eight officers um, be relieved of their uh, police powers during the pendency of our investigation. What about the verbal and physical abuse that police officers took during these confrontations? Are they supposed to just sit back and take it? In hockey, the guy who throws the first punch and the guy who punches back both end up in the penalty box. You know, that's one of the challenges of, of being a law enforcement officer. You know, um, we have the law enforcement officers have to um, maintain a, a, a level of restraint um, and uh, make sure that when they are uh, taking police action, that they are responding in accordance with the law and their policies and procedures. Um, uh, and, and, you know, from COPA's standpoint, you know, when that's not the case, then um, that may result in a uh, misconduct uh, complaint. So you're saying no level of abuse targeted at them, whether it's a brick thrown or a bag of whatever. None of that is justification 
If a person commits a crime against a police officer, the police officer has the right to exercise their law enforcement authority to effect an arrest. Um, and in, infect- in effectuating that arrest, um, they, you know, they have to take a person into, in, into custody. I mean, you know, whether the crime is committed against the officer or the crime is committed against another individual, law enforcement, it is their, you know, they have the authority to take that person into, into custody. But you're saying they have to do it in a respectful way anyway. Yes. I mean, you know, law enforcement has a responsibility to um, take a person into into custody um, in accordance with their department um, policies, which, you know, uh, articulates the appropriate level of force um, and articulates the professionalism in which they're supposed to carry out their responsibilities and appropriate decorum. What about the incident at the Brickyard Mall? You had a woman who claimed she was dragged out of her car by her hair by a police officer who also knelt on her neck in an incident that she has likened to what happened to George Floyd. Yeah, you know, again, that is another case that uh, we are investigating um, and uh, we are committed to doing a full and thorough uh, investigation um, and we will release our report and our findings and any recommendations um, as soon as, as we can. And that's the other thing that I want to mention. Again, you know, we go, we, we talk about, you know, police accountability and we talk about the importance of not only building community trust, but also being transparent. And every single one of these investigations will ultimately be posted on our website for the public to read, to understand what we investigated the evidence that we had, how we applied that evidence to the law and to CPD policies and how we reached our determinations and what our recommendations were. So all of this will become, you know, public for the public to, 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 to review and absorb. But in these kinds of egregious and high profile incidents where there's video, don't you have a an obligation to wrap it up quickly so people know and feel like there's justice somewhere, either on the police side or on the people side? Absolutely. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, we formed the specialized unit so that they could devote all of their resources to this particular or to these particular um, investigations, you know, but as I mentioned earlier, you know, and we put out a press release to this, you know, we did request that the officers involved in that incident be relieved of their police powers during the pendency of COPA's investigation. Police Board President Gian Foreman says he was attacked during a protest in Kenwood. What about that incident? That's one where, my God, even the police board president says he was... Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, that is that too is a uh, another um, investigation that COPA has, and you know, um, friend, we are in full swing of all of these investigations. You know, we are, you know, we're assessing the evidence, we're interviewing officers, we're interviewing witnesses, you know, we're taking statements, and you know, we are, we are. 
uh, working steadfast to bring these investigations to resolution. The Bobby Rush incident was another notorious one. The mayor held an infamous news conference accusing officers of sleeping, making coffee, popping popcorn, lounging around in the congressman's burglarized office while looters had a field day in the same strip mall. The FOP president says that's not true at all. Are you involved in that one? And shouldn't we know once and for all who's right about that? You know, that is one of those investigations that are handled by the uh, Chicago Police Department Bureau of Internal Affairs. Those are not within uh, COPA's jurisdiction. Um, and so they'll be, the, the department will handle that investigation and, um, you know, bring that one to a resolution. A police officer was photographed giving someone the finger and the mayor has already called for him to be fired. Doesn't that deny due process and prejudice and in investigation putting pressure on you? You know, um, again, that's another one that falls within the jurisdiction of the Bureau of Internal Affairs. Um, and they are investigating that. Uh, and again, I don't, you know, unfortunately, I don't know the status of that investigation. But shouldn't the mayor stand down? and not say those kinds of things and not hold press conferences like the one she had with Rush where you, 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 you try and convict someone before there's ever an investigation? You know, the mayor has uh, been involved in police accountability and police oversight for decades. She is passionate about police accountability. She is supportive about police accountability. Um, and I have to say, personally, as a person that, you know, is leading Chicago civilian oversight body, it, it's nice to know that I, that that I have the support, you know, to do the job that, that COPA is responsible for, for doing. It's one thing to have her support. It's another to have her prejudge cases before they're investigated. Well, you know, the one thing that I can say when it comes to COPA is, and I mentioned it earlier, you know, when we do our investigations, we do our investigations without influence, guidance, direction from the mayor's office. We reach our findings without regard to the mayor's office. We don't preview our findings or outcomes with the mayor's office. I mean, so, you know, opinions or not, it does not impact um, COPA's investigation. You sustained 42% of all investigations last year. What does it look like so far this year? You know, um, when I said that, I said to myself, what is our current sustained rate right now? Um, you know, it's still, uh, I don't know the exact number. It is still um, uh, pretty high. Um, and what I mean by that is it's still in the double digits. Uh, I'd have to take a look. We did just release our quarterly report, and our sustained rate is noted in our quarterly report for the second quarter. Um, but uh, and I can try to pull it up why why we're speaking. Um, but we, you know, the thing is, you know, we are continuing to to investigate, you know, and we're continuing, you know, to do these thorough investigations. And one of the things that I wanted to to, to talk about, you know is some of the criticisms um, that were in the DOJ report and in the police accountability report 
was that officers were not being held accountable for making false statements. And, you know, I can tell you today that COPA is certainly sustaining more charges against department members for making false statements. We've doubled the number of cases that are pending before the police board. And I mean, as a matter of fact, I mean, right now there are 12 matters uh, pending before the police board um, from cases originating from, from COPA. Three years in, how would you assess the impact of your agency? You said when you started, you hoped to build trust or rebuild trust between citizens and police shattered by the police shooting of Laquan McDonald, but it's really worse than ever. Why is that? You know, I think that COPA is making significant and meaningful progress, and I'm proud of the progress we made. You know, you you talked about, you know, building that, building that trust in the community. And I believe that our sustain rate is an indication of the fact that we are building that trust because not only are residents making the complaints, they're sticking around and um, supporting the investigation and making themselves available. You know, we are having uh, community members um, reach out to us and tell us of people who have seen misconduct, who want to participate. And we have seen it in the thank yous. And we've seen it in the thank yous of when we're about to release a video of an officer-involved shooting. We contact the family and we sit down with them and we say, listen, we're about to release this video, but we want you to have the ability to see this video first so that you can prepare yourself for what is now going to be put out into the universe. When we release and complete our reports, our investigative reports, an officer-involved shooting, no matter what the finding is, if we have determined that the officer shooting was outside of policy, or if we determine that the officer shooting was within policy, we sit down with that family and we take them to every part of that report. And even when our findings was not what they wanted to hear or what they thought they were here. There is a level of trust that we have built with, 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 with those communities. And so I think we've done a really uh, good job. And if you ask me what was the thing, and you didn't ask me, but if you ask me what is the thing that I'm most proud of, it's that. It is the, the, the relationships that we have built and we are continuing um, to build. Um, and I think, you know, our transparency, you know, putting out these press releases, putting information on social media, putting out these, these videos. I mean, that goes a long way to, to letting the community know that we are a partner with you. Um, and we hear you and we respect the need for you to have as much information as you can, not only but while we're investigating, has but been painful, But the, the, I'm sorry, the, the police department has been so painfully slow in implementing the reforms mandated by the consent decree. They've missed like two-thirds of the deadlines in two reports. Attorney General Kwame Rolls says it's at times been like pulling teeth. Why is that? You know, I what I can tell you about um, the police department from what I have heard is they are um, they are committed. 
um, and they're making progress, you know, um, but progress is in this regard is, is, is slow. And I appreciate that it is not, you know, acceptable. What I can tell you about COBA, you know, because we have a big piece in the uh, accountability section of the consent decree. And we are making progress. You know, the consent decree addresses policies, our investigative operations, mediation, training, and transparency. And, you know, we are making significant progress with our policies. You know, we've made significant advancement in COPA's investigative authority over sex misconduct complaints. You know, we formed a working group with CPD, COPA, and the Cook County State's Attorney's Office to coordinate and make sure that we are not compromising the administrative investigation that COPA is undertaking or the criminal investigation. You know, we've partnered with the Child Advocacy Center. Um, we've had uh, our staff has received trauma-informed training because the one thing that we all want to make sure we don't do is re-traumatize the, the, the victim. And we've made significant strides in mediation and um, in COPA's training-related paragraphs. So, you know, progress is happening, um, but it is, it's going to take some time. Um, I know for COPA, we are committed to doing it. We're committed to doing it right and doing it right the first time. The Sun-Times recently wrote an editorial that it's way past time that investigators assigned to uh, corrupt cop Ronald Watts' crew be completed, those investigations. Uh, it's been two and a half years. Fifteen officers, I believe, are still on desk duty. Where is that? Why it, can't you wrap that up? So we do have several of those investigations, and um, we've been working on them for quite some time. I will say they are nearing um, conclusion. The One of the uh, biggest challenges is that there is a corresponding civil suit um, that is going on, and it's, that's presented some challenges um, for us. Um, but it is something that we are committed to uh, bringing to a conclusion. Um, again, appreciate the, the frustration um, and, and the amount of time that it has taken to, to getting these done, but we are committed to getting them done. What's the problem with the civil suit? Why does that hold you up? During the civil suit, there continues to be more evidence, more people being interviewed, of which, you know, necessitates uh, the ability to review those. And so, you know, we're, 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 we're getting close. And as far as the Eddie Johnson drunk driving incident, what should happen to the police officers who gave him a pass, no field sobriety test, let him drive home drunk, followed him home, watched him drive erratically, no citations? What message does that send? You know, uh, what I can say about that is, one, that is, again, an investigation that is not being handled by, by COPA that does not fall But you must have an opinion. You must have an opinion. And I think, I think it's also a reflection of the accountability system actually working um, and uh, the appropriate determination, uh, discipline, and or recommendations, whatever that will be, um, it'll be outlined in the body of the report and will articulate the appropriate response. I mean, I don't have the facts for that case, and so I'm not in a position to reach conclusions 
of on on limited information that I have. Do you have enough investigators? You never have with all these complaints. You know, you know uh, we can always use uh, more staff. Um, but you know, we, we, we are making do with, with what we have, you know, we are making sure that, um, we are appropriately triaging our investigations to make sure that, um, you know, we're focusing on, uh, those cases that are the most, uh, uh, egregious, making sure that we're focusing on those cases that are the oldest, um, and, uh, and, and still making sure that we're uh, staying in contact with all of our uh, complainants and moving as many cases as we can. You know, the one thing that I will say is that last year, you know, not only did we have an increase in our caseload uh, in 2019, but we also closed 59% more cases last year. So, you know, we are, we are um, doing, doing the job that the public is asking us to do. Sydney Roberts, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad you got a vacation in, even though it was in Chicago, and uh, you've got a lot of work ahead, and we'll see you all next week. Fran, thank you so much, and hope you feel better soon.